1: Hey everyone, welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse. And before we get started, I just want to remind you that there is still time for you to go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com and enter your name for a chance to win one of three fun cup menstrual cups that we are giving away. So don't miss out. Go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com and enter for a chance to win. Now today, I am super excited to continue the conversation around menstrual health. And my guest, she is a naturopathic doctor who is the queen of menstruation. I am so excited to introduce to you today, Cassandra Wilder. She is amazing. She is the leading expert in women's cyclical health and menstruation. She's known online as the menstruation queen. Cassandra is pioneering a new conversation around menstruation to help women heal their painful and irregular cycles from a place of empowerment and sovereignty. Known for her passion and wisdom in women's wellness and reproductive health, she's a seminar speaker and leader bridging the gap between science and spirituality. She is also the CEO of Goddess Ceremony and host of the Goddess Ceremony podcast and author of a woman's health book to be published later this year in 2020. How exciting. Hey, Cassandra, thanks for being on the show today. I'm so excited to have you on the, on our series. Actually, what series would be complete without the queen of menstruation?
2: <laughs> Thank you, Robin. I'm so excited to be here.
1: So, you know, one thing I have have not really touched on so far in this conversation is around the birth control pill. And how I first got introduced into this whole world was that my mom put me on the pill at fifteen. By the time I was nineteen or twenty, I didn't want to be on the pill anymore and had no clue what to do. And I know that, you know, the pill has has protected many people from getting pregnant and can be a solution for people who are suffering due to their menstrual period, but I know being a holistic health practitioner and knowing that you are a naturopathic doctor, that there are other solutions to this. So I'd love to like hear your take on the birth control pill and you know, why it's not going to fix people's periods and what can we do besides take the birth control pill to, you know, address some of these menstrual issues that sometimes we experience.
2: What a question, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Going deep. Yeah. So birth control, It's such a a heated topic, Um, you know, before we even talk about the modern use, we do have to recognize that birth control, when it was created, did create a huge movement for women. It was certainly part of the women's liberation movement. It allowed women to get into the nine to five. It gave us so many rights. Um, So I don't want to take away from that, but you're so right in the modern world, people are giving out birth control as a fix for people's periods. And we know that it does anything but that. And so in my practice and whenever I work with clients, the biggest thing I believe in is informed consent. And so, for example, when a 16-year-old girl or like you, when you're, you know, you're going into the doctor when you're 15 years old, maybe you're struggling with some acne or maybe your period's just really irregular, these young women are being put on the pill without any investigation into the deeper meaning behind that and without any consent from the patient, meaning we're not showing the patient the true pros and cons of birth control it is a medication, which means it will work well for some people. And for other people, they will have extreme adverse reactions. So if we're not even informing our patients of what the pill should be doing or the norm, how are they ever going to know if they're having a bad reaction? So I work a lot with people that are struggling with what's called post-birth control syndrome. And it's a true syndrome that happens when we get off of hormonal birth control. And we find that that acne comes back with a vengeance. We find that Uh, you know, the weight gain becomes a real problem. We feel depressed, we have anxiety. And this is where the big gap in the research really is. So birth control at its core does help some people in terms of managing symptoms. But the biggest misconception is that it doesn't fix your period. It's kind of like putting a band-aid on it. And a good way to know that is maybe you got on birth control for your acne. What happens typically when you get off the pill? that acne comes back with a vengeance and it's cystic and it's terrible. And then we're like calling every dermatologist because we're like, what is happening to my body? What's happening to my face? So the pill works in some interesting ways, especially. So hormonal birth control typically simply turns off the communication between your ovaries and your brain. Mm -hmm. So we stop that simple process of ovulation. I say simple, but it's like the most extraordinary process, right? In the the body. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so when we do that, things in our body start to change. So when we're now having a bleed while we're on the birth control pill, for example, we're not actually having a real period. We're having what's called a medication-induced withdrawal bleed. So if someone's been on hormonal birth control, say for 15 years, they haven't had a real period in 15 years. And that's scary. We also know ovulation especially having a regular ovulatory pattern every month over your life is the best way to move into menopause with as much health and vitality as possible. So if you want to age well, if you want to have vitality into your old years, you want to protect your bones and your heart and your brain, you have to be ovulating every single month. And so when we start to peel back these layers, it starts to feel a little more like where is, where's the conversation around this? Why are we not welcoming patients in? showing them this information, letting them know the true risks of it, and then asking if this is still something what they want to do or provide a better option.
1: Mm -hmm. Right, or at least a different option. So, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of concerns or health concerns, like girls will go in, they're having like severe cramps or that sort of thing, and it gives an opportunity just to sweep the problem under the rug and just not address what's really going on and so in one sense it's it's maybe quote-unquote easier but like you said you know after 15 years or whatever it's like you haven't had any normal like a normal period and menstruation is actually a signal or signifier i'm not sure if that's the right word word of general overall health like it's a it's a clue to how the body is doing
2: Exactly, it's considered the fifth vital sign, and so that becomes scary. Then, when you have people coming in that haven't had a period in twenty years, that are, have a myriad of of severe health concerns, and you start to look back, like, "Whoa, whoa, this this is an uphill battle to find mm-hmm. balance again."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I've worked with a lot of women too over the years who have come off the pill and, you know, a lot of times to get pregnant and then they struggle to get pregnant. And as you dig into their menstrual history, you find that, you know, there was cycle irregular, irregularity in the beginning and that sort of thing. And those things were never addressed. And so now you have this problem that's, you know, been underlying for 20 years or 15 years or whatever the case may be, 10 years.
2: And it's
1: a lot harder to address. So what, you know, what do you When people come in, you know, with this post pill syndrome, like what do you know, what's the first steps that you have people do as they're like detoxing or coming off from the pill?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. There's a few steps to it. But the main thing is we're looking at what the birth control pill or the hormonal birth control probably did to the body. So there's tons of research that shows especially how the pill specifically depletes the body of essential minerals and nutrients. So we know it zaps zinc, magnesium, calcium, we know it takes away uh, folate. So we know that it's terrible for antioxidants in the body. So we see what it takes away And then that's the biggest first step is remineralizing the body. So whether we do that more of an herbal uh, approach, I mean, I love nourishing herbal teas because they're so easy for the body to assimilate. They're very, very simple for the body to work with. Um, Or we can do herbal capsules, we can do high quality vitamins and supplements, but that's the most important thing, especially if when they get off the pill, their period doesn't come back. That's likely coming from a really underlying deep mineral deficiency. And then the hormonal components, as well. So, you know, we're kind of playing God, we could say, with the hormonal birth control in that we're changing the natural fluctuations of our hormones. I wish I had, I could use a visual here, but this chart that I saw online at one point just left my jaw on the floor in that it showed what your cycle's doing throughout the normal months. So, it shows, you know, your estrogen surging and then it drops, you ovulate, and then your progesterone increases. It's a beautiful wave Mm -hmm. of changes. Mm -hmm. And when you're on the pill, it flatlines both of these hormones. Like it looks like you're dead, right? Like you see on like (laughs) a monitor. I know not to be like (laughs) dark here, but um, when I saw that, I just, everything in me said, this is wrong. This Mm -hmm. is wrong. We can't just change hormones like this and think that long-term that's going to be okay. And there are really no long-term birth control studies um, that are at least very well done. Most would agree the ones that are done are not up to the standard of most science. So, you know, it's scary to me. And I think you feel that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm concerned when I hear about young girls being put on the pill and at the same time, you know, I appreciate my mom for what she did because, you know, with the level of education that we had available, you know, Mm -hmm it prevented you know a sexually active teenager from getting pregnant you know mission accomplished right, right. you know <laughs> and so so yeah but then you know at at a certain point i was like you know i don't really want to put these artificial hormones in my body anymore like it didn't feel right and so it did trigger a whole quest for information to learn you know, like what to do, because I don't know, even though I had sex education, like, I don't know, condoms weren't really a thought, you know, I was like, I just didn't have the information to protect myself. And, you know, as I was learning about this stuff, the things I discovered just blew my mind. Like you're mentioning the hormones, there's like this whole dance that's happening Mm -hmm. over the course of the cycle. And I know sometimes uh, you're talking about four-part cycle. So I'm curious if that has yeah. to do with the hormones or tell me more about that.
2: Totally, totally. I love that you described it as a dance because that's what it is. It's like a divine orchestration. When you really look at how complicated of a process it is, and yet most of us go throughout our lives never thinking about it. We just get a period and that's, that's the end of our awareness about it. When you look deeper into it, it really does astound you how incredible our bodies are. So when we look at a monthly cycle, we tend to just think of our period, you know, we think of our menstrual cycle, and that's where it ends. But there's three other distinct phases of the month that are equally as significant, but less obvious, we could say. So your first phase is your follicular phase. And that's the phase after you stop bleeding, but before you ovulate. So it's seven, we could say, days or so for most women. And this is when everything's in a building phase. So your estrogen starts to slowly increase as we're starting to prep the body for ovulation. This is when the social centers of our brain start to activate. So was a really cool study in 1996 that showed that a woman's brain changes in structure by up to 25% throughout the month and different parts of her brain activate. So around ovulation, the social portions of your brain activate, which is why for a lot of us, when we're ovulating, we feel sexy, we feel embodied, we could talk up any stranger, you know, and Mm -hmm. biology is literally encouraging that. And I, again, that just was so amazing to me. By the time you ovulate, this is usually peak energy, peak libido, peak being, we could say. You have an abundance of cervical discharge, so you feel fertile. You could get pregnant during that window um, again, just an incredible time. You're truly only in that ovulation phase for 24 hours. But as you know and teach, um, some call it more of a five to six day window, just because sperm can live in the body mm-hmm. up to five days. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me, this is the most interesting part of the whole cycle after ovulation, our hormones do a bit of a nosedive. Mm-hmm. They really plummet. And this is why a lot of people, as they move into their luteal phase, it's the longest phase of the month before they bleed again, they experience symptoms like PMS and anxiety. They may have cravings. The emotional change, though, is pretty significant. And I think if we look at the charts of what our hormones are doing, we could have so much more compassion for ourselves during this time because we could Mm -hmm. see that this is a stage of moving within. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with us. For wanting to be alone or wanting a little more space or, or needing a little more comfort during that time. Um, so in that luteal phase, it's a, an incredible time to start to move within, to honor that pull or, you know, we could say to come back into the womb or to come back into more of our, our nourishing self-care practices. And then by the time we have our menstrual cycle, we're really primed to start to rest. Mm-hmm. This is such a significant time, and I know you've talked so much about it. I'm so grateful you're, you're bringing awareness to this. But the most important time of our cycle to rest and recharge, to listen to those cramps or listen to that, that pull that most of us get, that deep introverted time to slow down. Um, I mean, when you look at it in that four-part cycle, I think it gives everyone permission to be cyclical, to stop trying to fit this mold that we feel mm-hmm. like we have to follow that says mm-hmm. to be the same every day, mm-hmm. to show up 100% every day, to always have that smile on your face. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And instead to recognize nothing about you is constant.
1: Right. Everything
2: changes all month long.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I do think of it as a dance with the hormones, because it's like in the preludial, or the preovulatory phase is, you know, the estrogen is arriving, and then the post ovulatory phase the progesterone is rising and so there's like Mm -hmm. totally different hormones you know at you know completely different levels during each part of the cycle whereas with the pill you're like you said you're just flatlined. it's like no wonder women who are taking the pill have you know complain about having no sex drive you know it's like because you're you're just not getting that estrogen burst which you know it totally does makes us energetic and outgoing and feel sexy and You know, there's the pheromones at play and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that good stuff. Like the body wants to reproduce. That's how the human race, you know, (laughs) sticks around. Exactly. uh Yes. So let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the significance of ovulation. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to holisticsexedradio.com to get access today.
0: You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at holisticsexedradio.com. Now back to Robin Lacrosse. Hey, everyone. We're back. So,
1: Cassandra, tell us more about ovulation and why it's so important, mm. you know, because yeah. actually I was just going to say because it's like it's, it's, it's this, this huge part of our cycle, yet it's a very short, it's an event essentially, you know, ovulation is an event and most women are unaware that it's happening, you know.
2: Exactly. And to be mm-hmm. fair, a lot of women are not ovulating, especially once they get off of hormonal birth control. Sometimes that connection never comes back between the ho- or the ovaries and the brain. And so for some people, that's why they struggle with fertility after being on birth control, because they're not even ovulating. And if you're not ovulating, you can't get pregnant, you know, so it becomes this this tricky scenario. So ovulation really, like you said, is this huge moment every single month, this tiny, tiny portion of the cycle when an egg is in the perfect place in the fallopian tube ready for something to happen. Um, Every time you ovulate in your reproductive years, you literally build up your health bank. And so as I mentioned before, every time you ovulate, you're putting, you could say money in your savings account for later in life, for healthy aging, for a hormone balance, for a decreased risk of cancer, for improved heart health and cardiovascular health. So making sure we're ovulating every single month is probably the most essential thing any of us could do right now to protect our health for the rest of our lives in terms of reproductive health at the very least. When you're ovulating too, you do experience, like you said, these surges in libido, these surges in desire. And all of this comes back into honoring that primal nature of who we actually are. When we look at ovulation, I think it's essential to remember that By creating a container to really celebrate this time of the month, to really feel into that fertile nature, to feel into this explosion, we could say, of of extroverted energy, sociability, productivity for anyone that's an entrepreneur in any facet, best time of the month to go all in in your business, then we really start to recognize the significance of this month and we start to work with our cycle rather than constantly working against it
1: yeah I think that's really important, and you know most people don't live in harmony with their cycle. you know it's like you said it's you know it's we're we need to be the same. society says we need to be the same every month, and yet we're as women not the same every month, every day. our hormones are in a little bit different place, and so we're we're just as fluid as our hormones
2: exactly. That's a perfect word for it <laughs> <laughs> so do you have like
1: like some steps or some tools that you use to help people bring their hormones back into balance?
2: Yes. So it depends what's going on hormonally. The most common imbalance I see is high estrogen, low progesterone. And so some symptoms of that, you know, if anyone's wondering if that's them, um, some things that could indicate that would be that low belly weight that just doesn't budge, doesn't matter how many sit-ups you do, it's just there. Um, things like really heavy periods, big clots, cycles that are very long, around seven days or more, those would all indicate a hormone imbalance. Uh, Acne around the chin area specifically would be a big indicator. Any sort of facial hair, again, is a big uh, hormone indicator. But it goes deeper than that. It's also that zap and sex drive, vaginal dryness. These things, again, are indicators that not all is well hormonally and Robin, it's so wild to me how often I'm working with a client and they check every box that I just said. And they're like, I don't want my husband to touch me with a 10-foot pole. Aww, that's so <laughs> you know, sad. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, I've got this belly weight gain. I'm getting these little hairs on my chin and I just feel terrible. And so I do what's called the Dutch testing. So usually we test to just find out what hormones are out of balance. Um, and then from there, it's a rebalancing. So if we were trying to increase progesterone, for example, it's usually the 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 most common imbalance I see we're looking at their foods but we're also looking at their lifestyle so so this is a slight rabbit hole but we can come back (laughs) if this is interesting to you then yeah go for it it. we have time Uh (laughs) (laughs) so an interesting layer of research is emerging so we've all heard of the circadian rhythm and that 24 hour clock that Mm -hmm. our bodies operate on Mm -hmm. but women operate on two clocks. So anyone with a female body operates also with what's called the infradian rhythm. So in your reproductive years as a woman, so for them, the time, you know, you go through puberty to menopause, you operate solely in the infradian rhythm, not the circadian. The difference here is men with testosterone operate perfectly in the circadian rhythm. So what that means is if a man goes to bed at 10 PM, say wakes up at 5 AM, does a power morning routine, Um, you know, fasts, does a really intense workout, goes to work, you know, super social, goes home at five o'clock. That works perfectly for him Mm -hmm. Mm because that's totally in alignment with his rhythm, which runs on 24 hours. Testosterone works beautifully in that. What's different is we work on an infradian rhythm and that's a 28-day cycle. Your Mm -hmm. infradian rhythm governs not only your reproductive health, but also your gut biome, your metabolism, your immune system, your stress response, and brain health. And isn't it interesting? Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, I see this with my clients. They usually don't come to me with just a period imbalance. They also are bloated or constipated. They also have a thyroid disorder. Mm -hmm. Their immune system is shot. They're Mm -hmm. tired all the time. And so when I learned about this system, I was like, Oh my God, this is that missing piece. It's all related. And so even more so than how do we balance the hormones? It's how do we come back into rhythm with our own bodies? Why are we all so sick? And why do I have so many clients that are doing the intermittent fasting and doing keto and going to the gym every day and they feel terrible? It's not working for them. What's, what's the deeper thing here? Right. And it's this. So, if, for example, if we were, you know, to kind of make this whole circle, if we were wanting sure. to balance their progesterone, we have to really uh, almost like scan or, or pull back a little bit to get a full month perspective because at different times of the month, eating certain foods will increase that progesterone and help decrease the excess estrogen. Different workouts at different times of the month are going to naturally balance hormones. So like the worst thing we could do is do the same high intensity workout every day of the month. The worst thing we could do is eat the same food every day or be stuck in the same cycle. So I know this is like a, such a rabbit hole that I've opened up now. No,
1: no, I love it. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I love rabbit holes. (laughs) Good, good. We're in one. Yes, that's great. Well, because, you know, the infradian river, did I say that right? Infradian? Mm Mm-hmm, yep. So that's not really something that you hear about. I mean, you hear about the circadian rhythm all the time. You hear about adrenal fatigue, you know, all this kind of stuff is, you know, is you hear about that all the time to your blue in the face kind of thing. And so this is something that I actually haven't really heard about, which I, tend to hear about a lot of this stuff because these are waters that I do swim in and so I am curious you know like first when I was you know reading your notes I was like oh what is that you know kind of thing and so I'm glad that you you know kind of went into it and to explain it a little bit because you know all this stuff is connected and we do see all the time you know like the thyroid's out of balance you know the weight is hard to come off you know all these Mm -hmm. kinds of things and and we know it's connected, you know, I mean, it's it's obvious that it is, but it's like, then how do you bring all of that into balance? And so I'm very curious about like, oh, what foods do you eat to increase progesterone levels? You know, I know you can like eat broccoli and things like that to help <laughs> your estrogen metabolize, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's like some of the finer points, you don't necessarily hear about these kinds of things. So you Definitely have my curiosity going.
2: Good, good. Tell good. us more, tell us more. I, <laughs> you know, I felt <laughs> the same way when I learned about it and mm-hmm. it is relatively new research. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, like, but again, why is this not on the cover of women's health or, or something, you know, right. not talking about this. This is groundbreaking. This is the root of, of a lot of people's struggles. Um, so specifically with food, I'm sure you're familiar with seed cycling, but that's a really, really big part of starting to balance the hormones. So that's eating certain seeds at certain times of the month to naturally remove excess estrogen and boost progesterone. So from your follicular time into your ovulation time, you are supposed to eat one tablespoon of ground flax and one tablespoon of pumpkin seeds every single day. And in your luteal phase, menstrual phase, you eat one tablespoon of sesame, one tablespoon of sunflower seeds. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so simple. And yet, I just got a a message on Instagram the other day that someone was saying, oh, my God, Cassandra, I just started doing this a month ago. My PMS is significantly reduced. My cycle was far less painful. This is wild. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's kind of symbolic, though, right? The cycle is so fluid, as you said. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a big change to see a difference. We respond really well to the subtle little things that we do. So that's a big part of it to just add that into your diet every single day. Um, The exercise component too fascinated me. I didn't know that at certain times of your cycle, your cortisol is just naturally higher. And so if you go in and do, you know, some CrossFit class or some like killer spin class, what that does is turn on muscle wasting and turn on fat retention And I don't know about you, but I went through this phase maybe two years ago where I went to hot yoga every single day. And I thought I was doing the best thing ever for my body, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm sweating, I'm working out, I'm probably burning so many calories. I was led to believe that would be a wise decision. And what happened is I progressively got sicker. I looked bloated to the point of looking pregnant. (laughs) Uh, My cycle regularity changed. And again, now as I'm learning all this, I'm thinking, wow, that's what it was. It was pushing myself at the wrong times of the month into this absolute depletion.
1: Mm -hmm. So now I'm curious. So, if my assumptions here are on target, like I would assume that, like, during the say pre ovulatory phase, maybe you would want to work out and spend more energy, you know, up until ovulation, and then maybe post ovulation, do more like your moving meditation, like Qigong or. You know, things that aren't as like, you know, you're not doing CrossFit training kind of thing.
2: Precisely. You're spot on. You're Mm -hmm. spot on. Yes. So, in that, as soon as you really stop your menstrual cycle, it's really kind of an intuitive practice. Like, once you dive a little deeper into it, that's naturally how you feel. In that follicular phase and ovulation, a run might sound really good or Mm -hmm. a hot yoga class might sound good. But once you finish ovulating and you're in that luteal menstrual phase, yeah. Less is more. You can, you know, up to thirty minutes is all you need, and I would focus more on strength training, mm-hmm. or like you said, qigong or yoga, restorative yoga. I should, <laughs> lots of different kinds of yoga, right? Sure, sure. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that's exactly the pattern. Okay, makes mm-hmm.
1: sense. So, you know, and I kind of goes along with like the you know the people are talking about like living in harmony with your cycle so like when you're leading up to your ovulation time you know people do tend to be more outgoing and that sort of thing and then as we were talking about before as you're going into menstrual phase you know it's more like oh i just want to kind of like retreat and be in my own little cocoon my own world and you know and that sort of thing be more of an introvert so super super fascinating stuff i just love all of these you know all this stuff It's super super cool so let's take a quick commercial break and when we come back uh i'd actually like to talk a little bit about reclaiming menstruation as sacred because you know so many of us you know we'll save it for after the commercial break we'll be right back
0: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you don't want to be
1: pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive brain that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? it could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to holisticsexedradio.com to get access today.
0: You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse.
1: So welcome back, everyone, to finish my thought. I was just thinking, like, you know, as you're a young girl and you're being taught about menstruation and what to expect, it's you kind of get, like, it's something not to look forward to. This is not going to be fun. You know, you're going to be bleeding out of your vagina. You might be caught off guard, you know, all these kinds of things. And so you kind of get like, it's this curse vibe, you know, kind of thing. And when I started like digging into my menstrual cycle and learning about my body, I really got like this amazing appreciation for my body and really started to appreciate the sacredness of you know, every cycle, you know, I have this ability to create life if I want to, or birth projects, you know, it's like, I didn't want children. So I channeled that energy into like creative energy and, and like birth project and shared information and this kind of stuff. And so that's how I channeled that energy. But yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about reclaiming menstruation as sacred.
2: Mm. Yes, yes. You said it so well. Many of us had a pretty disempowering experience with our first menstrual cycle. And I really believe that first experience is what sets the tone for the rest of our lives, especially if we never revisit that story. And so over the years, you know, I've heard so many stories and they tend to either be fairly insignificant in that it was just like, your mom hands you a pad and that's the end of it, or shameful. And I don't know which one is worse, honestly, but either way, I think it breeds this disconnect from us and our bodies. And we learn to see it, as you said, as a new, like a a nuisance rather than a beautiful gift of uh, of welcoming us into menarche. Mm -hmm. So for example, with my clients, what I tend to do is actually have them write out their first menstrual cycle experience. And it's always so interesting. A lot of them have to really think about it. because It's not something most of us think about on a regular basis. Yeah, and
1: you may not clearly remember because, like, I try to think of, like, do I actually remember my very first period? And I don't have, like, a clear memory of it, you know, kind of thing. It's like, did I suppress it? Was it just, like, whatever? (laughs) Like, what is it, you know? Like, what is the deal, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's like I don't have, like, I – do clearly remember like one really sick period I had where I was just like, ah, I'm dying. My stomach, like I feel like I'm going to throw up, like just horrible, you know, kind of thing. But luckily, yeah that wasn't my norm, thank goodness, right, you know, right. mm-hmm. because it is for some people, you know.
2: It, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, and so you brought up a great point. Some people struggle to remember that first experience, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if so, it's just a matter of finding another experience we do remember, and you, like you said so well, um, and some people, they remember it, again, being fairly insignificant, and other people, it's very emotional for them to actually trace that back and to see, like, wow, you know, I would, I really felt let down by my mom Mm -hmm. or by whoever I was looking for support from. And I can recognize they did the best that they knew, but dang, I really needed more help Mm -hmm. at this time Mm -hmm. of my life. Yeah.
1: Or stories of uh, like young girls, like mm -hmm. eight-year-old girls, like having no idea what a period is and suddenly bleeding, dying, you know, like sitting in the school bathroom thinking they're dying, you know, having to be rescued by older sister. Like I've heard all kinds of stories, you know, it's just like it's so sad, you know, <laughs> to not have that, 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 that
2: just the basic information, you know. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those stories really border on trauma, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, so deep that, that, that it'll really affect us indefinitely. So, for me, I believe when we start to reclaim it as sacred, we have to revisit the roots and make peace with the fact that everyone around us did the best that they could with the knowledge they had. Most of us didn't have Maybe the moms that we had hoped for in that moment that could have really hopped in and you know brought us flowers and took us to lunch and told us we're beautiful and wonderful, right? We can all mm-hmm. hope and dream, but we can be that change. And I know you've talked about this before for this next generation, whether it's our daughters or our nieces or or whatever. Um, in reclaiming menstruation, I think it's part of reclaiming our cyclical nature and really allowing ourselves to have these ebbs and flows. To recognize that there are times of the month where the most productive thing we can do is rest. And to let go of the stigma of the martyr, that we are meant to be all things for all people, that we're meant to be invincible, right? We're supposed to be the perfect mom and the perfect worker and the perfect wife and, you know, insert label here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we know that that doesn't work, that burns us out, that disconnects us. And so, instead, learning how to lovingly speak our boundaries and speak what we need from our community or our partnership or family is such a liberating practice for most women to learn how to really speak up for their needs. So to be uh, in tune with the sacredness of menstruation, I think, is to be in tune with who we truly are, and that is a being that changes.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, too, as women, if we can embody that and then share that with our daughters, because, you know, they watch, they're watching us, you know, and it's, you know, if we're being the martyr and going all out and not taking care of ourselves, and that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to adopt. And that's so if we're taking on these patterns where we're like nurturing ourselves during our, you know, our quiet times in our menstrual cycle and as we go in towards menstruation and, and teach the appreciation of the body and honoring that, I think, will have a profound and lasting impact on these girls' lives.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think of the the young boys and the young men growing up too. What if they saw that as the normal and what if in their future relationships they were encouraging their partner to take that space? You know, like this. Beautiful. Right? If you want to change the world, so that's where I think we need to start.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I, I agree with that. You know, I mm-hmm. think, yeah, the body is sacred. Like when you really dive into the cycle and you learn how all this stuff works together, like, gosh, the human body is amazing. Reproduction is amazing. Like, wow, it's a total miracle, you know? Truly, Mm -hmm. truly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I want to talk more about, like, go back into, like, the hormone thing, because You know, hormones are so important, and we don't really think about them or talk about them, but, like, they really, they control, like, every aspect of our lives, you know, our thyroid, our insulin, you know, our reproductive hormones, like, they're just, they're they're part of what makes us human, you know, (laughs) and keeps our bodies running and stuff. And so, I, you know, let's talk a little bit about, like, how can we keep our hormonal system healthy? Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Such a good question. And like you said, hormones are essential to really every process. The endocrine system is so fascinating, but it's often shrouded in this mysticism and this idea that they're too unpredictable, that they're hard to manage, that uh, they're just, there's something you can't harness, right? They're just at their own whim. And it's so completely untrue. Mm -hmm. so hormones like anything in the body have a system and what that means is if they have the tools they need it's easier for them to stay in balance if they're malnourished they tend to go out of balance and so we have to look at those foundational blocks of what allows hormone function to move with ease and what things disrupt that so in terms of uh, benefiting or adding into our life things that would be really nourishing one thing I say I feel like a broken record with my clients but encouraging them first and foremost, to make sure they're getting enough healthy fats in their diet every single day. And I know we all lived through the 90s. So, we all are um, conditioned to think fat is evil, right? And fat <laughs> makes us fat. Um, and instead, we know that fat is essential for your body to even make hormones. And so, the mm-hmm. best thing you can do is load up on the healthy fats, the coconut oil, olive oil, organic butter, ghee, sesame oil, and to remove unhealthy fats. Um, Just making sure you're getting two, three, four tablespoons of that a day does wonders for overall hormone health and function. Um, Then looking at other things that start to balance hormones as well, making sure we're eating an abundance of raw leafy greens that will help everything from blood sugar, as you said, to our hormone levels in terms of estrogen reduction. Um, so essential. An area that I've been studying recently that's, that's really fascinating to me is the effects of blue light exposure in our mm-hmm. hormone function in our body. I mean, so that's like- So
1: like the, the computer screen, basically, it, the screen. Exactly.
2: The okay. TV and the phones and all the things, you know, we can't live without. Yes, yes. Um, so it's so interesting. I was reading how how delicate our, our sensory system is to light. And so if we're getting light at the wrong times of the day, that throws everything out of balance hormonally. So our stress levels increase, our melatonin doesn't kick in. So if any of us are like, I get into bed at, you know, 11 o'clock and then I lay there for three hours and I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. this this is probably a huge piece of it because probably mm-hmm. right before bed, what were we doing? Reading our Kindle or watching some TV or. Right. Messing on the computer. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. all do it. Mm-hmm. And do. so one way we can combat that, they have blue light blocking glasses mm-hmm. and they're really common now. So they're really affordable and simple. My favorite b- brand is called Blue Blocks, B-L-O-X. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, And so what they do is after 6 p.m. or when the sun would naturally be going down, ideally you would wear those until you go to sleep. And that way your melatonin can still kick in, your cortisol will stay low, and you can get a restful night's sleep and keep your hormones in balance. But it's little hacks like that, you know, that again, people aren't really talking about, but more and more research is showing how massively detrimental these little habits we all have throughout the day can be on overall hormone function, stress response, blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Everything, yeah,
1: posture. You know, it's like yeah. all these things. You know, everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. It totally affects our body, and you know, and you were talking about like the the light levels and stuff. And I've always loved having like a really dark room to sleep in, like cool, dark, quiet. You know, like nice mm-hmm. dark curtains. You know, just to like mm-hmm. block out all that light and. You know, I've heard of things like I have a book on luniception. I don't know if you've, yes. if you have, if you've heard of that or seen yes. that book. Um, you know, do you have any thoughts around around that, like using light to influence or
2: regulate ovulation? 100%, 100%. Ideally, in a perfect world, we'd all sleep in the environment you described, which is pitch black. So that comes down to, you know, those little lights that are on TVs or the little light from the smoke detector or that night light in the master bath, it really comes down to that level where ideally it should be black, like black, black. Um, for people that are struggling to ovulate regularly, it is a really powerful method or people that simply want to sync their period with the new moon time specifically. That is such an easy way to do it in that you sleep in total blackness for three months. And then in the following three months, month four, five, and six, you would turn on a small light and the three days around the full moon. And literally just that is enough to regulate someone's cycle with the moon and likely induce ovulation. We know that most women, well, I shouldn't say most, women are more likely to ovulate with the full moon than any other time of the month. And historically, many women in their tribes and villages did that. And it makes sense, right? Because if you were living out in a teepee or a tent or in a cave or wherever Mm -hmm. our ancestors Mm -hmm. lived, the only time there would be light at night was when there was a full moon. And right. so that starts to sink us again into the lunar cycle. This also happens to be 29 and a half days. And I think that's so magnificent to see how the tiniest little changes create these ripple effects.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, the female body is, is really like that. You know, I also work with women who've had problems with their cervix. And it's amazing how when you just start making healthy changes and stuff like, you start producing our healthy cervix cells, you know, like the body knows what to do when you give it the, the right nutrients, remove the obstacles to healing. It's like the body knows what to do to heal itself. Exactly. Sometimes it's like we just
2: have to get out of the way.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like get rid of the things that are like hurting you and blocking the process and give it, you know, the nutrients and stuff and then just stand back and let the body do its thing so exactly amazing the human body is so amazing i love it (laughs) it's the moral of this podcast (laughs) yes it is the human body is amazing Mm -hmm. oh yes so let's see um let's take a quick commercial break and then when we come back we're going to wrap things up so we'll be right back
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you sick of condoms? Does hormonal birth control make you
1: feel sick? Does it cause you to gain weight or kill your sex drive? Do you wish there was a better way to manage your fertility that didn't involve putting artificial hormones in your body? There is a better way, and I've been using it successfully to manage my fertility for over 25 years. It starts with a greater understanding of the female body and a deep dive into exploring your own body and cycle to discover what is normal for you. In my online course, you'll learn about the female cycle and natural birth control methods. I'll teach you my fertility freedom formula so that you'll know how to successfully apply this information to provide you with a level of protection you need to feel comfortable to engage sexually without fear of getting pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection. Visit holisticsexedradio.com to find out more. That's
0: holisticsexedradio.com. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse.
2: Hey,
0: everyone.
1: We're back. So, Cassandra, you know, we've mentioned a few times about, like, symptoms that people are experiencing, like PMS and how these are connected to hormones. And I wondered if you could, like, maybe give our listeners some just practical advice, especially, like you know, I always try to think about the topics that I'm bringing to the table, you know, as if like a parent is like trying to help her teenager through some of these kinds of things. So maybe you can kind of like think about it in that way. Mm -hmm. So like if, if, you know, a young person or anybody was having, you know, PMS symptoms or something like that, like what would you suggest to to help address that?
2: That's a great question. Mm -hmm. So PMS is an interesting one because PMS is so demonized, right? We think of those mood changes before your period as like, oh, watch out. Someone's, you know, about to get on their period or someone's, mm-hmm. you know, PMS-ing. About to be on the rag, yes. God, if I, <laughs> if I can go the rest of my life never, never hearing hear that, that again, I will be happy. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so awful. Huh? <laughs> so terrible. Oh, my God. I had flashbacks just now. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. EMS <laughs> <laughs> ah, is so demonized. And, you know, Robin, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it doesn't have to be. It actually can be a great teacher. So if we're seeing anything extreme, you know, so if we're having PMS where literally for two weeks of the month, we are raging, it's impacting our relationship, it's, you know, causing a lot of chaos in our life, then yes, that is an extreme side that would come back to a hormonal imbalance. So usually that's a low progesterone. So if we start to bolster that up, um, that makes a huge difference. Whether we're doing that with living in in cycles with the infradian rhythm, maybe we are adding in something like Vitex or chase tree berry. That's lovely for uh, progesterone typically. Mm -hmm. That's really important. But there's an emotional component to PMS that I think isn't talked about enough. And what I mean by that is when we're in that luteal phase, especially, it's the longest phase of your entire cycle. And so- some hormone specialists say it's the most significant time of the month. Why else would it be such a long pause between ovulation and menstruation? So in this time, as we start to move more introverted, as we start to slow down, as we start to come back into sync with our own bodies, PMS tends to be worse for people who push through, who do not slow down, who kind of bulldoze ahead during their luteal phase. So that's a theme I see. So if someone's listening to this, or maybe they can think of their child or, you know, anything, the people that tend to really struggle with PMS are also the people that really struggle with the idea of slowing down, who've been like rolling their eyes every time I've said, you need to rest before your Mm -hmm, period, you need mm -hmm. to rest on your menstrual cycle. These are usually the people that are really tightly woven in their go, go, go mentality. It's also significant too, often when we're experiencing PMS, so this is getting you know, less scientific, more, I guess, sacred, we could say. It's also a sign from the body that some boundaries are being breached or that something is not in flow. So meaning, where are you abandoning yourself? Have you been putting yourself last? Is there something in your life that you're allowing to be there that you're refusing to change? So rather than seeing it as my hormones are terrible and they're doing this horrible thing and I just can't control it, I think taking that that initiation to look a little deeper is really important. Where are you neglecting yourself? Where are mm-hmm. you neglecting your rest? And if it is that extreme, then where can we support your hormone levels? So I know that's a different perspective.
1: No, actually, I think it totally makes sense. And so, like, what is the message that the body is sending? And then as as you were starting this conversation, I had the flash of, you know, as, you know, that luteal phase is the longest part of the cycle because the body is nurturing should conception occur our pregnancy so there's you know five days where the egg is like going down to implant in the uterus and then from there you know the mess of the chemical messengers go forth and say hey corpus luteum do your thing we got <laughs> yeah, a bun in exactly. the oven here you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so I was, as you were talking, I was like, well, maybe part of it is, you know, like the body's natural tendency is to be like, okay, well, we got to like protect in case there's, you know, fertilized egg here. And so like, Mm. maybe you don't want to be like out there partying with all your friends kind of things. And you want to stay home and be a little Mm. more quiet and subdued and, you know, this kind of thing. And so, so, I don't know, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, maybe there's like a another layer here that we're not thinking about, too, is, you know, like that biological urge to reproduce, you know, that's Mm. running underneath everything, you know, kind of thing.
2: Yes, yes, I like that. I hadn't thought of that layer.
1: Yeah, yeah, so who knows? Who knows? We don't know, but it's something to think about, you know, and I think, too, you know, because that time is sacred time, you know, it's like, a lot can happen, you know, in those days leading up to implantation and then implantation to menstruation and beyond when menstruation doesn't arrive kind of thing.
2: So Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: So fascinating stuff. Yeah, food for (laughs) thought, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. So I'd love to have you tell us a little bit about your free gift that you brought for everybody. You have a free guidebook to sync your cycle in business. So tell us about that.
2: Yes. So especially once you start to become cognizant to your cyclical nature, whether you're a mother or an entrepreneur, even if you work in a nine to five kind of setting, you start to find that you're a little more aware of how you're spending your time throughout the month. And so I found that when I specialized in menstrual cycle health, I really wanted to find a way to plug my business into that? You know, was there a way for me to actually be able to take a pause to some extent during my menstrual cycle, for example? Was there a way for me to harness the times when I'm naturally going to be more productive and social? And so I started to create this outline for a cyclical business where we could really maximize our energetic times of the month and really allow for spaciousness during the times of the month when The worst thing we could probably do is do a podcast interview or (laughs) or hop on a webinar or, you know, something like that Mm -hmm. where literally on a brain level, those parts of your body are just not activated. It's just biologically not there. And so what this guidebook will show everyone is how they can start to plug their business into their monthly cycle. It'll teach you how to start to track your cycle, how you can literally put that right into your Google Doc, and then what things throughout the month are best at different times. So when's the best time to... Build a webinar. When's the best time to do an interview or do sales calls or see clients? And obviously there's fluidity to Mm -hmm. it. Nothing Mm -hmm. has to be set in stone. Really, the whole purpose of this podcast is to be fluid. (laughs) Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Nothing's rigid here. But it gives you an idea on how you can stop feeling overwhelmed in your business and feeling like you never get a pause to actually take care of yourself. This will show you how to harness all of that in a monthly cycle. Sounds awesome. It's pretty awesome, yeah.
1: Yeah, and if you don't have your own business too, you can apply the same principles to your life just in general, you know, so.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: Oh, yeah. well, cool, that's awesome. So we'll post all that in the show notes for everybody, we'll put a link there so people can go collect that. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today.
2: Thank you, Robin, this has been yeah. lovely.
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed our conversation. So, uh, yeah, oh, and I know what it was. The one thing I was thinking about earlier that I couldn't think of is Have you ever used a menstrual cup? They're the best. Yeah, you like them. I am giving away some fun cup menstrual cups. I'm so excited that we have been giving away some of these amazing fun cups. To we have three that we're going to give away, so people can register. And uh, yeah, so if anybody wants a chance to win, there's still time for that, and you can go to holisticsexedradio.com and fill out your name, put your email address in for a chance to win. So thanks so much, Cassandra. It's been a real pleasure having you today.
2: Thank you so much, Robin. All right. See you all next week. Bye-bye, everyone.